2: Welcome to it. We're back from a hiatus. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. I know you missed us in this four to six time slot. Um, I mean, if I didn't know what to do with myself between four and six, I guarantee you guys didn't either. But we're back. We're back in better than ever, I should even say, Um, because Chris is still on vacation, so it's Damon Barr and I leading the way. We're ready to have some fun today, uh, as there's just so many things we can get into. It's NCAA tournament all weekend. Husker baseball team played this weekend. Husker volleyball team played this weekend. It's a Nebraska pro day today. Just all sorts of things to get into. Chris is going to be back in tomorrow. He is enjoying one last day of the warm weather down in Arizona before he makes his return to the The great city of Lincoln. Then the great, now sunny city of Lincoln. Raining all day yesterday. Raining all morning. I was just in that doom and gloom mood. But then the sun comes out shining behind my back right into Damon's eyes. I can see him leaning back, avoiding the sun. But great to have the sun back out here in Lincoln, Nebraska. I missed it after, uh, you know, the the spring showers. You know, they're they're bringing the the May flowers here eventually. Got to have the sunshine with the rain. A a good combo of both. I, I just... I felt very Pacific Northwest here in Lincoln the past couple days, and it just wasn't what I what I signed up for. Whenever I chose to stay in Lincoln for college, I guess I've I've
0: lived here all my life. I'm not sure where I'm going with this. I love Lincoln, but just I'd rather have a snowstorm than a rainstorm. In all honesty, I'm going to hard disagree with you on that one, my friend. Keep the snow away. Well,
2: give me a good like, just one to two inches of snow. Some nice, pretty flurries, just enough to get like the trees looking all white and pretty. Like it, it just, it does make Lincoln look pretty when it snows. Um, whereas the rain just gets everything all muddy and stuff. And then I'm like, walk. I got to put on like outer layers and raincoats. And it's just, I don't know. But I, I, I can't complain because it's like it's not 20 degrees out or negative 20 degrees out anymore. This is always better than that. That was a long, a long, long week. Whenever, uh, whenever we had that awful, awful weather. I mean, I can't believe that was only a month ago. Because it was just awful weather, and then the next week we're in the 70s. And it's just it, the the transition from winter to spring. Happy second day of spring. Am I correct here? Third day of spring. Happy third day of spring, everyone, by the way. This is the, the type of spring weather I'm talking about. Rain and sunshine in the afternoon. Uh, but just I, I can't believe how fast it was. It
0: was just winter, and then like Mother Nature snapped her fingers and boom, it's spring. And this this past weekend of uh, basketball games has kind of accelerated everything. It felt like uh, it's been a month since this tournament started, just the craziness that has happened.
2: Oh, I mean, it feels like it's been forever since. It was me and Will on Wednesday, and then uh, Kranak and you and me had the drama-free show on Saturday. Um, that just feels like it was ages ago. I can't believe that was only three days ago we had that Saturday morning edition. By the way, if, if you missed the Saturday morning edition, Mark Cranach, myself, and Damon, that's always available uh, at com uh, or wherever you find podcasts. Additionally, you can go to the Hail Varsity page on YouTube. All the episodes are posted Posted on YouTube. If you're one of the people who likes to stream their music, stream their podcast via YouTube, Hail Varsity Radio is now up on YouTube as well. Um, but, Damon, we've been gone for so long, I think the people at home are probably getting a little frustrated. that We are actually aren't getting any Husker football news, Husker sports news, because there is a lot that we can get into. Uh, the main being that today is uh, the pro day for five Former Huskers now, as we had DiCaprio Boodle, uh, Matt Farniok, Brendan Hymus, Dedrick Mills, and Jack Stoll all performing for NFL scouts today down at the Hawks Championship Center. Uh, Hale Varsity's own Derek Peterson was down at the Pro Day proceedings today. We're going to talk with Derek in Hour 2 about how the uh, the day of the workouts went, uh, which NFL teams he saw there. I, I saw you put up on his Twitter account, there was 23 of 32 NFL teams in attendance for the Pro Day today. Seeing the, the, uh, the numbers these guys put up again, Derek's coming in Hour 2. And we also have... Wars uh, own Jeff Moats, 2020 Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year. He's coming on an hour two. One of the biggest Creighton fans I know. His brother, uh, Jimmy Moats, now the coach at Norris of the boys basketball team. He uh, played at Creighton back in the early 2000s. Uh, so Jeff, big Creighton fan. Going to discuss with him a little bit. Uh, Creighton's running the NCAA tournament. It's their first time making the Sweet 16 since the tournament expanded to 64 teams. Uh, they made it to the to the Sweet 16 back in '74. I believe but that was over the tournament, it was still 25 teams, so it, it didn't really count, uh, but we're excited to talk with Jeff Moats in hour two, also uh, going to be catching up with Jacob Padilla here in about 15 minutes, as we're going to discuss uh, just the poor showing from the Big Ten in the NCAA tournament, because that was uh, evident, uh, nine uh, Big Ten teams entered the tournament, now only one remains, awful, awful, awful weekend for the Big Ten after I'd even talked him up all year, being the best conference in all of college basketball, is it? Over hypers underperform? We're going to get into that with Jacob Padilla here in about fifteen minutes. But these pro day proceedings, uh, obviously very important for these uh these Husker football players try to get the uh, the eyes on them. As there's no NFL scouting combine this year, uh, and usually the pro days serve as kind of a way for uh, NFL scouts to either back up or or say maybe that was just a fluke with with the combine numbers because people always say it about the combine it's the underwear Olympics. And the hoops that these kids have to jump through is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it's wake up, 6 a.m., you're going and doing workouts in front of NFL scouts. That goes until, you know, noon, 1 o'clock. Uh, and then you're going and you're doing wonderlick tests, other tests. And then you finish out your evening doing interviews with all 32 NFL teams, usually at the Combine. Um, so you're doing five, six interviews a night until midnight 1am and it's back to your room sleep for five hours and guess what more workouts in the morning have fun uh those those guys are just ridiculous anytime i I love watching the combine just because whenever you know that backstory behind what these guys are going through it makes what they're doing down in the field that much more impressive uh and that's one of the things that you don't have this year's, you don't have these guys going through just the, the mental gymnastics. That is the NFL combat. That's one of the things that NFL teams like to look for is which guys can respond to this adversity. Well, which guys are going to, which guys are going to fold over and which guys are going to stand up and perform even better under pressure. And Cause that's obviously one of the important factors to being on an NFL team is can you deal with that adversity? I mean, whenever you only have two teams in NFL history that have ever finished regular season perfect, you know you're going to go through adversity throughout the course of a season. Um, Whenever it's the third quarter of a divisional matchup and the starter goes down injured and now you're undrafted rookie stepping up, uh, having to come fill in in the third quarter in an important game for playoffs or whatever, you got to know that you got that mental fortitude to stand up and give it your all uh, and be the best version of yourself out there on the field. So that's one of the important things about the combine. But what's nice for the players, uh, the five for Nebraska at Pro Day today, is it's really just prime conditions for you to put up the best numbers that you can. You're at your home facilities. Um, they probably got to sleep in this morning, went to bed early last night. They're dealing with coaches, staff that they're familiar with. It's just a very familiar experience. And this is the chance for them to really show the NFL in perfect conditions. This is what I've got. And I, there are three guys today that I think really stood out in their testing numbers. Uh, one is DiCaprio Boodle. Another being Matt Farniak. I think he had an awesome day. And then Hymas was already... Uh, you know, go into the the Senior Bowl down in Mobile. Uh, He's kind of been on the uh, NFL radar for a while now. He didn't run a 40-time day. We'll get into that in a second. Um, But I still think he had a a, a strong performance as just height, weight. Uh, He slimmed himself down just a little bit. Kind of looks like the the best version of himself in NFL scouts, I'm sure. Glad to see that. But before we get into their numbers specifically, got a couple thoughts from these guys as they met with the media yesterday morning. And I want to start off with DiCaprio Boodle. He was a guy um, under recruited coming into Nebraska. Really made a name for himself down at a uh, down at a camp the Nebraska coaches were at when he went and ran a forty. This unheralded kid, uh, no stars, goes and runs a sub four four forty at a sub four five forty at, uh, at this Nebraska scouting combine uh, and earned himself an offer that day. And now the rest is history. Four year starter at Nebraska and uh, really just kind of locked down one side of the uh, one side of the defense for a while now. I mean, he only had the one interception in his time at Nebraska, but really this year wasn't thrown to all that many times unless th- his guy was absolutely wide open. And, and he said that he was going to do the same thing he did to get noticed by NFL, and that was run fast uh, at a 40-time speed kills, especially in the modern game of football. So he said his whole plan all along today was just turn some heads with his 40-time. I like to say that that I ran my way into Nebraska and – you know, tomorrow morning I will run
3: my way into the league very fast, extremely fast. You don't, uh, you don't have a goal though, as far as a number. I got a question for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you, What do you think?
2: Very, very fast and extremely fast is. I mean, uh, for a corner, probably in the four fours, right? Uh, lower. 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 So you, yeah. you're you're shooting four threes. Yeah, I like to say that that I. So four threes was the number that DiCaprio Buda was shooting for. Just for reference. I was saying how how speed kills in the modern game of football, and when you take a look at back at the last scouting combine, the guys that ran sub four uh, four from the cornerback position, you got Jamel Dean, who won, got himself a Super Bowl this year down with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, got some uh, good play time in the playoffs. You also have Greedy Williams from LSU. Uh, he was drafted to the Browns based on his four four time uh, sub four four time, excuse me. And then Mark Fields out of Clemson. Uh, this guy ran four three seven, and you might not know the name. That's because. Mark Fields only started five games during his time at Clemson. um, Was a a pretty special teams player. uh, Got on the field a decent amount, but uh, starting from the cornerback position, this guy didn't see the field all that much at Clemson, but went and ran himself a 4-3-7 time still in the NFL to this day. Uh, He's kind of jumped around, been a bit of a journeyman, but undrafted guy who only played, only started six games, five, six games in college, running a 4-3-7 got him an undrafted spot in a spot on an NFL roster. So... If Diedrich could run sub 4-4, opens up a world of opportunities for him. And the unofficial time for uh, DiCaprio Boodle today, and uh, obviously all the NFL scouts, they trust their own hands a little bit more so. Um, but you, you could watch from the eye test. It was fast. And according to the Time from Nebraska, it was a 4-3-8. A 4 40 time from DiCaprio Boodle. And, and the one thing that tells me is give him some money. I personally think he just ran himself from an undrafted spot into a spot in probably day three of the draft rounds, five six seven somewhere in that range. Strictly because he's been a solid player in the Big Ten. Um, he holds, I think, the snap count defensive record for the Big Ten the past two seasons. He's been on the field a lot, got a lot of experience, going against some of the best receiver talents in the country that the Big Ten has. And, and now he goes and runs himself a 4.3840. Even if there's issues in the tape, issues in the, uh, the technique that he's using, a 438 speed is enough to catch you up with a lot of receivers in the NFL. And when you look at the speed explosion that the Kansas City Chiefs are building, Tyreek Hill, um, down in San Francisco, you've got uh, Debo Samuel, and the other guy's name is slipping my mind down in San Fran. But a lot of speedy receivers making their way to the NFL, and NFL cornerbacks most of them guys are running low 4.5s, high 4.4s. Four if you got a guy who's running a tenth of a second faster, going to be able to stay up, uh, catch up with those receivers, stay up with them. I think that DiCaprio Boodle just ran himself into a day three draft selection. Uh, and I, awesome for DiCaprio, uh, awesome for the Nebraska Pro Day that he was able to showcase himself today.
0: I, I think if we run into another situation where um, we have a single Husker drafted, I feel like Boodle, it will be that guy. I, I wonder if... Um, Hymas' stock is hurt today after um, not running a, a forty to give scouts that that view of his his first ten yards there, mm-hmm. and that's that is I mean what's important to an offense
2: line is don't look at the, at the forty time. I was going to get into to Matt Forniok here in a second because he had himself a great day as well, but Hymas uh, claimed he had some calf tightness, that's why he didn't run the forty yard time today. Um, but I wonder if it's didn't want to hurt his stock. There's other things that he was focused on in the pre-draft process. So why go and run a 40-time when it's not something you've gone and worked on for the past three months, like you've been working on with, say, your three-cone drill, your bench press, uh, you're you really like lower-body explosive workouts, high jump, long jump. Um, I, I feel like those are what NFL scouts care about more. At least that's what years of watching the NFL Combine has told me from the, the draft experts on NFL Network ESPN. That outside the, the 10 seconds, of the 40-time, the first 10 seconds – Really, it doesn't matter how fast you're in as an NFL offensive lineman. Look at Orlando Brown with the, uh, I think with the Baltimore Ravens now. Uh, I'm not sure. His, his status was up in limbo. I haven't actually checked to see if he's gone anywhere else. But he was coming out of Oklahoma. And he was one of those can't-miss, mauler prospects of an offensive lineman. Went and ran an awful 40 time at the combine. I think it was like a 6'4". Something just Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And he steps in year one and starts with the Baltimore Ravens. Because guess what? He got over scouted. Somebody looked at that 40 time and went, ah, oh, that's terrible. He's coming into the combine overweight. He was focused on other things, getting other parts of his game ready. So I, I see this as Hymus less as being a bad move that he's not running a 40, and more just saying, Go look what I did at the uh, at the Pro or the excuse me, the senior bowl down in Mobile. Go look at what I put on tape for four years in Nebraska. Don't look at my 40 time. You can see on film that I've got what it takes to be an, uh, a lineman. I'm working on my game as opposed to working on how fast I can run 40 yards in underwear. That's what Hymas is saying. I don't think he's hurt his draft stock today by not running a 40-yard dash. Some people on the internet, some people even in, in media might tell you that. I don't think NFL scouts are going to be too concerned with with him not running a 40-time. Because, again, he was all over the place at the, uh, the Senior Bowl playing tackle, playing guard, um, and had himself honestly... Uh, a pretty good showing down at the Senior Bowl, but somebody had a good showing today was Matt Farniok. Uh, he said yesterday uh, that he really wanted to show scouts that he wasn't just uh, you know the 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 fat offensive lineman that is kind of the stereotype. He's an athletic guy, and, and he was one of the more athletic performers today considering his height and his weight. Uh, here's Matt about what he wanted to prove
3: tomorrow. Um, I just really want to be able to. I just want. I'm. I'm going to prove that uh, I'm an athletic type of body, and um, I can move my body really well. Uh, He did that
2: today. At 315 or so pounds, he had a vertical jump of 33 inches. He outjumped Dedrick Mills by half an inch. He out out outjumped Jack Stoll by an inch and a half. Uh, out jumped Brendan Hymas by almost 3 inches uh, 33 inch vertical jump For an offense lineman is huge I remember back in high school When I was weighing like 260 pounds I jumped 26 inches And I thought I was like gonna dunk soon I thought I was the most athletic No man known to man um, And 33 inches is ridiculous For an offense lineman Not to mention he put up 28 reps On the bench press That was the high today From any of the guys at the Pro Bowl And then he also ran a 5 forty time Nothing to scoff at From uh, some guy who's 315 pounds That's trucking Running a 5'240. I think Matt Farniak may have worked himself up into either high undrafted or even tail end of the draft sixth seventh round uh, he, he's got some issues and technique to work on um, from my memory he has a tendency to lean a little bit forward in his pass set um, which when you're a passing heavy league like the NFL can't be making those little mistakes like that but I think just based on the athleticism he showed today at the pro day he's going to find himself a spot in an NFL team I think he's going to have some longevity in the NFL excited to talk with Jacob Padilla after the break going to talk some NCAA tournament that's next on Hale Varsity Radio and we're back fellas so, we could- very listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery yes that's awesome Back in it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's a Tuesday edition. It's Chris Schmidt still down in Arizona on vacation. He's back tomorrow. For now, it's Damon Barr and I taking you through the show today. And we don't have a shortage of uh, things to talk about. Talked a little pro day last segment. We're gonna be talking with Derek Peterson next hour about his takeaways. Um, he was down at the pro day, uh, down at the, uh, the down on campus t- uh, this morning. Uh, excited to chat with him next hour, but first, excited to welcome in Jacob Padilla. You can find him on Twitter at JacobPadilla underscore. Uh, Jacob, wild, wild, wild weekend of the NCAA tournament. Uh, they call it March Madness for a reason. I think we saw that over the weekend, uh, and really, I think this gave us the excitement that we needed after after missing the tournament last year. This, this was just an action-packed weekend.
4: Oh, yeah, and the the kind of the the different schedule on top of that with having the game all day on Monday too, um, I think kind of added to it now where you kind of extended out into the week. And I mean, normally you start a little bit earlier, but uh, I I think uh, the way they pack these games in, um, obviously there are plenty of exciting games. There have been very few that have not been uh, pretty competitive and we had a few that went right down to the wire as well. So it's a great start to the tournament for sure.
2: And, I mean, a lot of impressive performances. Loyal of Chicago looked great over the weekend. Uh, same with a team like USC as they just absolutely demolished Kansas last night. Which team do you think was most impressive to you through one weekend of the tournament and why?
4: Whew. That's a – I mean <laughs> – uh, it's hard not to say just Gonzaga. Um, because they look like the best team, and um, I thought Oklahoma played them really tough. Uh, They played a really good game and still lost by 16, and that game was never really in doubt in the second half. Um, uh, I think Baylor, um, again, the other number one That's those are the two teams I've got going at in the the final. I think they looked uh, a lot more like um, kind of their their pre-shutdown selves um, Than what they look like down the stretch, but um, yeah, that that USC performance yesterday, uh, and I mean, in the first round, the Drake kind of put up a put up a fight in the first half, but USC was able to pull away there and kind of handle that one. So, yeah, there there have been a lot of teams playing good basketball right now, and um, some, some teams on some impressive runs.
0: Talking with Jacob Padilla here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Jacob, just cutting in here um impressive games from a lot of teams, not so much from big Ten schools. Uh, can you just talk a little bit of how um the big Ten is sort of um, not gotten off to any sort of start they wanted to this year?
4: <laughs> yeah um yeah there's there's a lot going on there, I think, with um the Big Ten and um, kind of what's happened here. Um, I think the way this season um, was set up with the, the limited non-conference um, and kind of the, the the impressions a lot of us had on these Big Ten teams coming into the season. Um, I think they probably were overvalued. Obviously, Ken Palm had them as one of, if not the best, um, conference uh, of all time. Um, depending on, uh, I, I didn't see where they finished, but I know they were there for a lot of the season, and um, that I think that was just kind of, a, 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 I mean, the circumstances kind of produced that. I don't think they were quite as good. But that being said, there were a lot of good rosters in the Big Ten and teams made some good runs. And um, I think, obviously, the the way Iowa and Illinois went down, those are your two, uh, two of your top seeds there. Um, I think that's kind of probably the biggest disappointment because, um, like, you look at, Rutgers with a 10 seed, so you wouldn't expect a, a deep run there. Um, Maryland also a 10 seed, so um, the fact that they got a win there, that was good, and then went down to the two seeds, so that wasn't unexpected. Um, so we're really just looking at kind of these top seeds here, and I'm not shocked. It was just hard to trust that Iowa team. Um, just the, they, they really do remind me a lot of, and other people have said this as well, but uh, the 2014 uh, Creighton team, the Doug McDermott's team, were um, so talented offensively. You've got um, one of the best players in the country uh, in the middle of that, but the limitations are defensively and the athleticism on the perimeter um, just didn't really stack up, and Oregon played a heck of a game uh, to, to knock them out there, and they kind of played the pick your boys, and they let, they let Garza kind of go to work, but they shut down everybody else, and none of those other guys were able to get going. Um, and, and Illinois, that, that's, that's tough where um, I O has been so good all year long and just kind of had his worst game at, at the worst possible time. And outside of him, obviously, Kofi kind of did his thing, but you look at the roster, and it looks pretty solid, but they're also relying on a couple of freshmen um, and I don't really like Trent Frazier um, has been a really good player for them for a long time but he's not a guy that um, I, that I think can really carry a team at this point he kind of settled in as what he was throughout his career um, so with I.O. struggling I just, where do you go um, offensively at that point and they just didn't really have that next guy to step up because the next guys were, were freshmen that weren't quite ready uh, f- for that stage so Um, They were maybe just a little bit short, um, and we kind of saw how a couple of those weaknesses were exposed in the tournament.
2: Yeah, Jacob, yesterday, Jay Billis tweeted, the top Big Ten teams we saw all season long did not show up in the NCAA tournament. This isn't overrated. This is underperforming. Uh, On that spectrum of things, where do you stand? Did the Big Ten underperform the NCAA tournament, or did they just become overrated as the year went on, just only playing themselves and kind of almost cannibalizing themselves?
4: Well, I, I think it's, uh, it's a little bit of both, like I was saying. Um, I think just uh, the way the numbers were, um, it's set up to – I think the Big Ten um, wasn't quite as dominant as it showed, um, and I don't think the, the Big East, for example. Uh, that, that conference lost out on a lot of non-conference opportunities, especially for like, some of the lower teams, so they weren't able to kind of push themselves up in the rankings. And by the time you got into the Big East – um, now, those teams were only hurting teams whether you won or lost. In the Big Ten, teams were able to kind of, they were already thought highly of, and then they got a cu- couple of wins here and there that really kind of uh, held up uh, the conference's reputation. So once you got into conference play, um, wins and losses didn't, I mean, the wins meant a, a lot and the losses didn't mean as much just for the perception. So. I definitely don't think the Big Ten was as strong um, as uh, kind of the metrics paint it, but also, I mean, a lot of these seedings were deserving. Like, Iowa had a really good year. Illinois had a really good year. They had really good rosters. They just ran into teams that were able to take advantage of their weaknesses, and those teams weren't able to respond. They didn't have enough players step up and make the plays they needed to to overcome what the opponent was doing to them. So it's definitely some underperforming. Right? We'll, we'll see uh, kind of what happens with Michigan next week. Um, I um, this is kind of I expected them to get this far even without Livers, but I, I, in my bracket I've got Florida State beating them next week just because um, I think Livers is that important to what they do. If they find a way to knock off the Seminoles without Livers, um, I think that'll that'll say a lot about how good Michigan was because. Before the injury, I mean, it looked like it was a um, clear uh, top tier with uh, Gonzaga, uh, Baylor, and then Michigan kind of put themselves in, in that mix as well. Um, and I think a lot of us kind of wrote them off after the, the Livers injury. So if they're able to keep going next week, I think that'll um, kind of prove that actually the Big Ten had something here, especially in, in, in this one team in particular. And
2: Michigan needed a strong performance late to get past LSU last night. They now go face a very lengthy and defensive-minded uh, Florida State team. But, but I, I want to ask you about Creighton, the team up the road. Some Husker purists out there may be a little frustrated that this is, you know, hail Varsity Radio and I'm talking about Creighton. Um, but they are kind of the, the, the hope of Nebraska right now, putting Nebraska on the map. And uh, before we get to their next matchup with Gonzaga, I just want to get your thoughts on them advancing to their first ever Sweet 16 since the tournament has been expanded to 64 teams. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I know not a lot of Husker fans that are going to uh, be excited about creating a roof him, but uh, just be excited for, if nothing else, be excited for Sharif Mitchell, who's uh, an Omaha kid, uh, grew up here in Nebraska, dad, Alvin Mitchell. Um, a, it's, and he, He's played an important part of this coming off that bench for last year. So you, you don't have to be excited for Crane, but be excited for Sharif uh, in particular because he's a great kid and, um, it's always cool seeing um, local kids succeed at, at this level. Um, so uh, just kind of putting that in there. But, uh, yes, yeah, so I, uh, I was at Creighton. Um, I, I graduated in 2015. So that 2014 year, um, I was covering the team. And I was there in San Antonio uh, watching uh, that massacre by uh, Baylor. Down there, and uh, Matt Borgal and I—he was uh, the sports editor at the time. Um, we went down there and covered the team for the school newspaper, and we we spent most of that second half just kind of sitting there in silence uh, next to each other across from the Creighton bench, uh, and that was kind of one of the the most probably one of the hardest like days as uh, as uh, of my sports fan life. Um, just kind of the height there, just watching this team build up to this for the last three years uh, and to see it just kind of yanked out from under them in that way. So just kind of, that's the last chance that they really had to make the sweet 16. Obviously they've um, kind of bowed out in the first round, had a lot of injuries the last few years that kind of prevented them from being what we thought they were going to be. So to, to see this team get it done uh, was so cool to just watch on TV and, on top, even beyond that, just seeing the reaction from former players and everybody involved with the program, just seeing how much it meant to them, um, I think that was the coolest part for me. And I know this team's gone through – every team that's still alive here has gone through so much to get to this point, um, obviously with uh, the pandemic going on and everything they have to do to to be able to play. Um, so to, to see this team uh, – they, they – Coming into this goal, I think that they're coming in the season. I think their goals were uh, Big East, uh, Big East regular season champs. They came up a game short. Uh, Big East tournament champs. They came up a game short. And the Sweet 16 was that next goal. Sweet 16 and beyond. And so now they were finally able to get it done Uh, and to do it in impressive fashion. Obviously, um, the first game kind of went down to the wire, but in the second game, they were the better team for 40 minutes there. Um, they kind of let it slip, but still never capped below nine. So um, it, it's just really cool um, to to be able to experience this as uh, someone who grew up a Creighton fan and got my degree from there and spent four years uh, on that campus.
2: Jacob, last thought. You got like five seconds, so real quick. Is it okay for a Nebraska fan to root for Creighton for this weekend? <laughs>
4: uh, I'm not going to answer that. People can de- – Uh, you're going to get me in trouble there. So People can root for whoever they want.
2: We'll we'll get into it next segment. Jake, appreciate the time today. All right, thanks. Chime in,
1: 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail
2: Varsity Radio back in Hail Varsity Radio a little nervous here to get into a controversial topic, That here in a second but uh, it's Elijah Herbal alongside Damon Barr you can find us and follow us on Twitter, it's at Herbal Essences for me, H-E-R-B-E-L and uh, for Damon it's at Damon, uh, Damon Barr uh, remember Barr is spelled with two R's, easy ways to find us on Twitter, you can also find the show on Twitter, uh, at ESPN Lincoln is where the uh, segments are are going to be posted, the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page, I should say, or Hail varsity uh, the Twitter page, also a great follow, getting all the Husker news and updates you'll ever need. That's where you can go find all the Pro Day information as we got into that a little bit earlier. going to ex- talk with Derek Peterson next hour. You can also call the show 402-466-3776. It's 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-466. 5865 that's how you contact us tweet at us call us you can email chris if you'd like chris at com. he uh, will not be getting around to that on the show today though obviously he's not here um but you can get uh, uh, contacted with us cuz we'd love to get your thoughts the topic for about the next uh 10 minutes or so is as a husker fan is it okay for me to root for Creighton against Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament now they've made it to the round of 16. I, I mean, I was I was firmly off the Creighton bandwagon in the round of 64 against UC Santa Barbara. I was a big, was it Gauchos fan?
0: Big, go Gauchos!
2: I was a big Gauchos fan in the round of 64 rooting against Creighton. After that embarrassing showing in the Big East tournament, kind of wanted Creighton to be embarrassed again in the first round. And they go up and they face Ohio. And Ohio's got the uh, the point guard. His name's slipping my memory. Um, but he has that awesome story. He was a bench warmer back in high school. Um, went... And started studying journalism, was even writing for like a, an NBA blog for a little bit, one of the the SB Nation pages. Uh, he was writing for them. And then uh, ended up getting noticed and, and went and played, uh, let's see, community college basketball. It's like you went, went to JUCO. Uh, no, excuse me, prep school. That's it. He went to prep school. And uh, at, at the prep school, they had like an A and a B and a C team. And he started off on the C team. And he played pretty well, so they moved up to the B team, and he played pretty well, and they moved up to the A team. He was playing all right. And then uh, requested a trip down to the C team, and apparently in one of the games he like dropped a triple-double, was completely balling out, and took like the video from that game and put it up on Twitter. And uh, the coach from Ohio found it, gave him a scholarship offer, and now probably the best player on that Ohio team uh, has a little bit of NBA draft interest, uh, which is just ridiculous that he's a guy that went from being... Writing about the NBA, talking about, like, oh, it's my favorite team, Um, putting up blogs online to now could possibly be playing in the NBA. That's just, like, a true – I mean, they're going to make a movie about that someday should he actually end up making the uh, the NBA. So I couldn't root against him. Plus, they have that guy that completely uh, burst through his shoe last night. He just plays basketball like I play basketball, which is, you know – Knock down the shots when you get them. Uh, the moves aren't like the most athletic moves in the world. You go like, man, how do he beat a guy there? But he still beats a guy there. Um, smart, cerebral basketball player. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because he's a white basketball player. That's like, kind of the, the stereotype. Not just saying that. That's what he is. I really enjoyed watching him play in the first round. Uh, so I was rooting for Ohio yesterday. But now Creighton's on to the round of 16. The first time in their history. So the moral dilemma within me becomes, do I continue rooting against Creighton because they're Nebraska basketball's biggest rival? Creighton fans love to talk trash about Nebraska basketball, and they're down on their luck. Uh, Man, like, Creighton fans just, like, they get on my nerves whenever Nebraska basketball is bad. And Nebraska basketball is bad this year. There's no way around that. But now, they're like the only people that are representing the state of Nebraska on a national level. The Husker football team can't do it. At least, not yet. Not for 20 years they haven't been able to. Husker basketball team still doesn't won a game in the NCAA tournament. Husker baseball team hasn't made it to the College World Series since Alex Gordon was here. So, whenever you have a team like Creighton that's on a national stage like this, they are still representing the state
0: of Nebraska. Is it okay for, for me to root for them? Damon, what do you think? Alright, here's my philosophy. Um... If you were, let's say, a Purdue fan and Indiana was making its way through the tournament, would you root for them? I mean, it's kind of this deal where uh, I personally am going to stick with who I root for and who I root against, and there are teams I definitely do root against, and Creighton is going to continue to be one of them. Oh, for sure. For sure. Not just because Gonzaga's been my, my homer pick this whole tournament and for the last, I don't know, five years of watching basketball. But um, that game against Santa Barbara, I was really pulling for the Gauchos there. I I don't know. I just don't find much personal satisfaction in Creighton um, making the tournament. Maybe if it was different in, say, Nebraska-Omaha was Creighton and switched them around in history, and they had Nebraska in their name, but... I mean,
2: it's, they're they're still a, a state university, whereas Creighton's private.
0: Exactly. That's kind of where I'm boiling down to. I don't really see them as a representative of, of Nebraska. It's Creighton. They represent Creighton. And I will happily continue to root against them.
2: Okay. I'm going to boil it down, my take on it. Because my take on it is, it's not about... Creighton as a university, it's not about Creighton being public or private for me, I mean, Creighton's got a a great medical center up there, they do good things for the state Uh, I know a lot of great graduates from the University of Creighton but my problem with it is I mean, it's everyone's, it's the J-Screws. it's the fans that from the months of August through November, they're Husker football fans November through March and into April sometimes, usually not April but sometimes, maybe, I mean now um, they're Creighton basketball fans and I, I could be wrong on this, but in my humble opinion, if Creighton basketball had a bad year, all those Creighton basketball fans would be Nebraska basketball fans, assuming Nebraska basketball is good. They would go, okay, Creighton's bad this year, that's cool, I can just root for Nebraska, they're good. And that's I'm sure an over like I'm I'm stereotyping all Creighton fans here. But at the same time I don't think I'm wrong. <laughs> I think a good majority of those Creighton fans would jump ship and be Nebraska basketball fans for you until Creighton came back to prominence. And that's what I'll give it, I'll give it to Nebraska fans. like the, the true Nebraska fans that are Husker football fans, Husker basketball fans, Husker baseball fans, they love the athletics department, all of the sports programs. If Nebraska basketball is bad like they were, say, this year, they don't jump ship and go be Creighton basketball fans. You stick with it. You're a Nebraska basketball fan. So part of me thinks, am I jumping ship now if I go root for Creighton in the, in the round of 16 against Gonzaga? But then I think my better senses come around, and I say, you know what? It's a one-off thing. If I were to put down a, a $1,000 bet on Iowa in a in a, a basketball game, I don't think I'd feel bad rooting for Iowa for one game. It's, it's the same concept here with Creighton. It's, it's a one-game thing. I'm rooting for them to take down the number one seed. I am by no means rooting for Creighton to win the national championship. I think that would be awful, and Nebraska basketball fans would never hear the end of it. I don't want Creighton to make a Final Four. But I seen him make the Elite Eight, take down a number one team in Gonzaga, get get a little bit of, of publicity towards Nebraska, and honestly, would show like people around the country, that hey, you can have good basketball in Nebraska. Recruits that are being recruited by Hoiberg, Hoiberg could see this Creighton basketball program make the Elite Eight and say, oh, they're from Nebraska? I didn't think you could play good basketball in Nebraska. But Coach Hoiberg's recruiting me, and if Creighton can put on a good basketball team, maybe Hoiberg can do the same at Nebraska at a school that... I mean, has better funding for all around as uh, its athletics department than Creighton does. So I'm—I think I'm on the on the side of I can root for Creighton for one game, but by God, I I would just—it'd be terrible if they made the Final Four because never, never, ever would hear the end of it. At least that's how I see it. It's varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Wrapping up hour one after this. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in on a Tuesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. It's been a long hiatus as we have been covering NCAA Tournament here locally on ESPN. Lincoln haven't had the Hale Varsity show across the state since last Wednesday, since our St. Patrick's Day edition, but we are back for the rest of the week. It's Elijah Herbal and Damon Barr taking you through the show. Here today, Chris Schmidt back in tomorrow after his trip down to Arizona, down hitting the uh, the golf course. It seemed a decent amount based on what I've seen on his pictures on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, as I expect him to come back with a tan, which is always. Uh, I mean, I mean, look based on the weather outside, I was thinking for a little bit maybe I could go and get a tan after the show. But it seems the clouds have rolled back in just a little bit. Still no rain though. The, the rain seems to have have rolled through. I'm no weatherman. I'm no Derek Dolman. Um, but looking at my weather app here, it looks like a uh, rain going to be rolling through tonight. Maybe I don't know. I'm not a weatherman. I-, I just care about the weather so I can get outside and like play some pickup basketball with my friends. What not? That's the best part about this weather is I can just get out and enjoy. I'm not a big golfer. I'm not a big, like Chris likes going to hit the links. I-, I like going out. Let's see. Drinking in the front lawn. That's a big one. That's a big reason to get outside and enjoy the weather. Um playing basketball, maybe a little Frisbee golf occasionally.
0: I mean, God, I can't even remember the last time I played beer darts. It's been way too long. <laughs> um, got out and played some beer die two weekends ago. Um, I'm,
2: maybe I'm not sure. If, is that a newfangled game, or is that like something that the uh, the listeners who are older than us would also understand? Beer die. It's where you like I mean tweet at me if you know. It's it's where you have a, a like a plywood table and you put a piece of tape across the middle and you hold a, a die. It's like a, like a you know a six sided die, like a playing dice, and you toss it up in the air. It's supposed to go over ten feet. And then it comes back down. It hits the table, and you got like your two people on your side, and you're going up against two people on the other side of the table. And if it hits on their side of the table, they have to catch it before it hits the ground. If it hits the ground, the the dice, uh, then it's a uh, uh, it's a point for your team. Uh, You play to uh, let's see eleven, and then at. after 5 points you got to you got to uh finish your beer and after 10 points you got to finish your beer and then if you lose you got to finish your beer so seems like a good excuse to drink a beer on a nice day outside it's exactly what it is that's why beer dies uh, it, it's the best um i mean just okay I, i'm thinking i'm thinking back to friday and i I was down at Longwells on Friday uh the morning hookup was down doing their show i was there from like Eleven until eight, and that was my problem there. I was, I was like, it, it, like they need more games for me to play. They had like I could go shoot a shoot a basketball, and I love long balls. I had a great time down there. I, that's, there's a reason I was there for nine hours. But as I sat there for like nine hours, like this is a beautiful day. Like, why can't we set up some beer die in the uh, in the rail yard? Before we get out of here this hour, I'm I'm just getting off on a tangent now. I've Got to remind you that nearly seventy percent of people in fatal crashes in the state of Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckle up. Uh, Also, while we're on this topic of beard eye, if you have been drinking, remember there are over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high is never acceptable, and law enforcement officers are working around the clock uh, to stop it before any more people are killed or seriously injured. If you're going to drive... Remember, don't drink, don't play beer dye, don't play beer darts. Whatever you're gonna do, don't do that before you drive. Designate a sober driver, or get a rideshare, get a ride home. Because a DUI costs more than you think. A message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. Feel like it's very important to get that read in there. Um, whenever we are out. Do it responsibly. Get a driver. We'll be back next hour. Derek Peterson going to give us some thoughts from the Husker Pro Day. Also going to talk with Jeff Moats a little bit more about Creighton basketball. As I've decided for me personally, it's okay for me to root for Creighton in the round of sixteen. Back in on a Tuesday edition, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbel alongside Damon Bars. We're back. A lot to get into today. We got into a lot back in the first hour. Talked uh, some Creighton basketball as well as Big Ten Tournament. or Big Ten basketball. Excuse me, in the NCAA tournament with Jacob Padilla. If you missed that interview, you can find it on the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page. Damon already got that posted. You can also find it ESPN Lincoln com Full show will be posted, HaleVarsity.com, hailvarsity YouTube page, or your favorite streaming service. Excited now to welcome in the pride of Oklahoma himself, Dr. Petey. It's Derek Peterson here on Hail Varsity Radio. And Derek was down at the Husker Pro Day this morning. But Derek, before we get into that, I got to ask you, after the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, how is your bracket looking? Is it still all right or is it absolutely trash? I
3: have one that's okay. Um, okay, and that is the one that has entered into most of the groups. I have one that's okay. I have one that is absolute trash um, i had I actually had Oklahoma State beating Illinois to get to the final four um, in several of my brackets, and so like when Illinois lost I was like okay this is, this is not a big deal for me because I had been losing already um just not to loyola um but Oklahoma State losing was was kind of a, a blow for me. So I, I think I still, and most of them, have three of my four um, final four teams. I've got Gonzaga winning it all, which was about the safest pick anyone could possibly make in anything. Um, but so I mean, right now it looks like, feel, like a pretty, pretty good line there. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, and I was going to ask. you said you got multiple brackets, so you, you must stand on the side of the argument that it's okay to make multiple brackets. I, I've talked to some people over the weekend that are purists, and they've made five, I mean, I have two brackets, that's it. But there's some people that make fun of me and say, oh, if you're not only doing one bracket, you're not you're not doing it right. And I'm just, I, I always come back to the argument, like, the the odds I get a perfect bracket are one in, like, 62 quadrillion or something stupid like that. Like, do you really think that the second bracket's going to help me that much?
3: I, I mean, you're allowed to make 25 brackets on ESPN. So if you're using all 25, like maybe stop and reconsider. Um, <laughs> but like, if you're making like six, you know, like, cause there are those, um, <clears throat> there are those matchups where you're like, okay, do I pick Creighton or do I pick UCSB? And you can make strong arguments for both. And so in two brackets, one of them, you pick Creighton, one of them you pick UCSB. Cause you're like, I could see it happening both ways. If you end up getting a perfect bracket in one and you made five brackets, I don't think anybody's going to give you a hard time for making five. You still got a perfect one, which, like you said, is incredibly hard to do. Yeah, I I I don't think anyone is. uh, Just doing what you want.
2: I don't think anyone has made a perfect bracket to date. I, I believe that's still the record. And I saw over the weekend that there's not a single perfect bracket remaining, and that was after, like. One day of the round of thirty-two, like no one's, no one's ever <laughs> been close, and no one's really ever going to be close. I don't think. But that's what people said about the a sixteen seed upsetting a one seed. So you never know.
3: Yeah, you never know.
2: Well, Derek, you were down at the uh, the Husker Pro Day this morning, uh, and yesterday we uh, we heard from the players uh, up at the uh, the podiums, kind of saying what they wanted from their pro today. DiCaprio Brutal said he wanted that sub four four forty. Uh, we had Matt Forniak say he he wanted to be. Uh, an athletic type of offense alignment and the type of player that can transition well to multiple positions in the NFL. And Hymas kind of echoed that. He, he wanted to show people that he wasn't just a tackle. Um, he was athletic enough to be a, a guard or maybe even a center. So just general takeaways from the Pro Day today. I think I saw on your Twitter account that there were 23 NFL teams there today.
3: Yeah, 23 of the, the 32 teams had a scout um, in attendance. And... um you know i thought I thought DiCaprio boodle was obviously the the star of the day um a four three eight unofficial second forty um he said that that was a goal of his coming in was was to run quick um he hit the he was in the four three threshold um before committing to Nebraska or before coming to Nebraska I should say um so he, he it's something that that you know he felt like he could do and and he did it and um you know some of the other stuff i mean he had sixteen uh, reps on the bench. Um, he had a 36 and a half inch vertical. I mean, he, he, he it wasn't just like oh, he ran a fast 40. I thought DiCaprio had a really good day for himself. Um, and I think the sentiment from some people after the fact was that yeah, DiCaprio uh, made some money for himself today, which which I I, I would agree with. Um, I thought I thought he was I thought he was good. I thought he was really good. Um, for you know like Matt Farniak and Jack Stoll are two guys who I thought um, were. We also had pretty good days. Um, did stuff to help themselves. Farniak looks trimmed down. Um, he measured in about where he expected to measure at. Um, he had 28 reps on the bench, which was really good. Um, he looks he looks pretty good in some of the agility stuff, some of the quickness stuff. And and um, for him, you know, like consistency is a big issue with him. And for him, um, one of his biggest goals is to just show that, um, you know, he he can be a guy that can move. He can be a guy that. Um, can, can do some stuff in, in open space. And, and, um, you know, I I thought he, you know, he's worked hard to kind of overhaul his body to kind of reshape his body. And and I thought, um, you know, he kind of put those results on display. um, So it was good. It was good for him. Jack Stoll had a a pretty interesting day just from some of the measurements that he had. And, and um, just, you know, he, he looked like a guy, like he talked about this on Monday where, you know, he was told, four weeks with the injury that he had um, in that that season opener against Ohio State. And, and like, I remember seeing his injury against Ohio State, seeing when he went down and thinking, like, oh, this dude's going to be out for the year. Like, he's not coming back anytime soon. This is a significant knee injury. And then he only misses one game, and it's like, okay, you're playing. Are you playing hurt? Are you playing through pain? Are you playing through something that you're going to have to fix at the end of the year? And so for him now to to kind of be – um, Looking the way that he did, I thought was I thought was impressive. Um, reliability is and 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 just like being a sturdy tight end who can be in line is a big thing for him, a big selling point for him. Um, and so I thought, you know, in that regard, I thought he did well.
2: Now, now Derek, you're a guy with some experience here, so I wanted to ask you. I mean, Jack Stoll came in yesterday with like the best head of hair I think I've ever seen on an NFL draft prospect, just an absolutely beautiful mullet. But then you have a guy like Matt Farnick who who cut off the long hair and then was was very quick in some of his uh, his drills today. Had a pretty good forty time five two. Do you think that that cutting off that full head of hair could could make him a little bit faster?
3: It's funny that that I was joking about this with somebody. Uh... While we were sitting up there in the gallery inside Hawks watching them, we were like, yeah, there's probably going to be some kind of analytical piece looking at, like, the-, the nanoseconds that you can shave off of your 40 time if you wear a shirt versus a- – or if you don't wear a shirt versus if you do wear a shirt. We are like, yeah, Matt Farniak made himself better by cutting his hair. The hair was holding him back.
2: It's all—it's aerodynamics. That's that's drag. That's pulling back on the forty time. I mean, if you already got three hundred fifteen so, pounds, man. if you got three hundred fifteen <laughs> pounds you're dragging around, add that little bit of drag with the hair. It could make a, a tenth of a second difference in the forty.
3: Sure, sure. Yeah, we saw we saw Stoll um, running, and, and it looked like he was kind of galloping a little bit, and, and you saw the hair kind of flowing a little bit behind him. It looked a little majestic. Sure, I can get behind that. Yeah.
2: But that's the thing about whenever you got the hair flowing, you look faster. You might not time faster, but you sure as hell look faster.:
3: <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. DiCaprio put pretty slick, and, and he's got his head shaved.
2: Well, I, I want to ask you about another guy who's pretty quick, at least compared to the average person. That's Dedrick Mills. He, he was running today, uh, his 40 time trying to show the NFL Scouts that you know, he has the, the top end speed that you need to be an NFL running back. I think he showed uh, the power and the ability to go to run up the middle last year in the Big 10 and even two years ago as well um what do you take away from his 40 time and just kind of what do you take away from his NFL draft prospects
3: um DJ had an interesting day Mm -hmm. um like you say power back And, and and I think you know the the thing with him is that everybody you know he's viewed usually viewed as a a one cut kind of power back kind of guy that can carry the ball at the middle he only had 13 reps um on the bench and I'm kind of as you called, I was sort of in the process of looking through last year's draft combine results and looking to see how that compared to other running backs. 13 seems a little light, um, especially considering a guy like DiCaprio had 16. Um, and I and I do remember running backs at the combine, like some of the top guys last year. I think the top guy had 29 reps on the bench. Um, so that that was interesting. It was kind of a, a thing where it just was like, oh, that's interesting. Not not as in like, man, that's a terrible day, but, but more just, hmm. OK, um, from the 40 perspective, I think a couple of scouts had him in the four sixes, um, mid to low or mid to high four sixes, I should say. Um, and again, I was doing some research and, and it seems like the you know, your your average NFL running back is going to run a 40 between a four four and a four seven. Um, so not alarming with Diedrich. You know, but if, if he's at like four six six or something like that, four six five, which I think a handful of scouts had him at. Um, you know, he's certainly on the lower end of that. And, and you know, he said that the one thing that he was focused on for today was speed, was showing his speed because the feedback that he's gotten from teams is that they know that he's physical. They know he's strong. They know he can block. They want to see um, how fast he can run. And, you know, I, I thought I thought he was okay. Um, nothing – I didn't think he was anything special. Um, but, you know, Dietrich is a guy who I felt like was – was underutilized at Nebraska, and in a, in in some ways, I kind of feel like his sort of draft situation right now um, is is a little similar to a guy like Devino Um and that it, it seemed like teams were looking for reasons not to draft him instead of just being like, this is a dude that's going to work really hard, um, and you know, Devine got in, got his chance, needs with the team. So you know, I I don't. I don't doubt that Mills will get a chance and, and will stick with a team. It was just, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that he helped himself as much as he could have today. He was open for a four-five, well, four-five, forty, and I and I don't know that he got there. So we'll see.
2: Now, whenever we entered this like kind of off season, I, I think the thought was. Brendan Himes seemed like a guy who was going to get picked in the draft. DiCaprio Boodle's on that borderline, maybe seventh round to undrafted. All the other guys were most likely going to find their way to an NFL roster via uh, an undrafted free agent uh, type deal. Uh, do you think anyone improved their stock enough today to maybe put themselves up into uh, the talks of uh, fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick?
3: I think Boodle certainly um, rose. You know, If he wasn't on draft boards today, he is now. Um, you, know, you don't find a ton of of seven round mock drafts out there. Um, a ton of reputable ones. Um so, you know, it, it's it's really kind of hard to project like where a guy like him or Matt Farniok, both both of those guys, I feel like they could be day three guys, right? They could be guys that sort of like sneak into the back end of the draft. Or there's there's a team that's just like completely in love with them and they're a sixth round pick or something like that. I think those two guys are, are kind of in that category. Um Brennan Hymus was was certainly entering the day probably Nebraska's most draftable player, um, and the guy that you would see popping up um, more consistently than, than some of the other ones on those seven round mocks. Um, you know he could he could be a fifth sixth seventh round kind of guy. Um, he had an, another interesting day. He didn't run the forty. Um, he, had, he said he had calf um, tightness stiffness in, in his right calf, um, so he didn't run the forty. But he did some agility drills. Um, he had twenty five reps on the bench, which was nice. Um, you know, a little bit of a, a stumble, um, kind of a, a mess up in the, I think it was the three-cone drill. Um, and then I, I meant to say Diedrich had a little bit of a stumble in his, his second 40 as well. So, uh, you know, not a perfect day for either of those guys. But I think, you know, if you're talking about people that, that moved up, I think Matt could be, you know, if he continues to work and, and continues to, to kind of, like, shape his body the way he's been, I think Matt could continue to rise and, and maybe – you know, like he said Monday, sneak in the back door and be a, a, a late round guy. And I, and I definitely think Boodle deserves um, some looks there in the, in the later rounds. I just think he's a guy that continues to prove people wrong. And then with, with the athleticism that he showcased today, I don't think you're going to see a ton of teams that, that will pass on him late in the draft if he's sitting there.
2: Derek, before we let you get out of here, I want to shift gears and talk a little about the women's basketball team. They were in the women's NIT over the weekend, took down uh, UT Martin before falling to Colorado. Uh, Just takeaways. I I know Amy Williams released a statement on Twitter today about the season today, Um, but this Husker basketball team showed some promise throughout the year, fell short of the NCAA tournament, and and now fall short in the, uh, the women's NIT. Just... I mean, what, what kind of trajectory does Amy Williams have that program on? And, and do you think that she could be getting to her first NCAA tournament here soon despite uh, not making it uh, towards the, to the later rounds of the NIT? Yeah,
3: I think they're moving in the right direction, um, which was which was what Amy said after the game. Um, it's been a couple of days, and I'm having to pull stuff back up to kind of refresh my memory. Um, I, I believe she's made an NCAA tournament already at Nebraska. I think it was 2006. 17, 18 seasons, maybe your second year, Um, they had had a a kind of surge that shocked a lot of people. And then since then, it's kind of been, they've been rebuilding. Um, And last season, they had the pieces where, I think they were 17 and 13 last season. Um, And and they had a lot of young pieces. And it looked like, okay, this team is headed in the right direction. This team is really moving in the right direction now. And then two, like, just huge pieces of, of that team, decided to transfer in the offseason. season. Um, and both of them were, were players coming off of, I believe coming off of their freshman year. Um, one in the, the front court and then one on the wing. And, you know, if, if you follow women's basketball, you saw what Leah Brown did with, with Michigan this year. She was one of their best scores. Um, so that, they were both big losses. And then they lost Taylor Kissinger, um, who was going to be kind of a swing three, four, um, a stretch four wing for them. Uh, and a three-point shooter for them, and, and you know you, you think about a lot of the games they played this year, some of them scoring was a little bit of a struggle. She would have helped them a ton. So they go into the year, and, and it's just, again, it's a completely new team, and I thought she did a really good job. Um, I wrote a column after their Big Ten tournament run ended where I said I thought this was Amy Williams' best coaching job of, of her Nebraska tenure, um, and, and I think that this team absolutely is on the right trajectory, and... You know, it's, it's interesting because in a year five for her, year four or five, um, 12 and 12, 13 and 13, it's probably not something that you want to see. But I think given the context of everything that happened to them this season and everything that was kind of going on around them in the, the lead up to the season and then during the year, um, for them to, to, to play the way that they did, you know, I thought was really encouraging. And And, and I think they have – two players who are going to be absolute studs in the Big Ten next season and Sam Hybee and Isabel Bourne. Um, When Izzy can play the four consistently um, and and they have somebody that that can start on the wing and allow her to play in the post, um, I think she's going to be phenomenal. She already looks really good. If she can develop a couple of counters to some of the post moves she has, I think she's going to be a real, real um, tough player to stop. For opposing teams, I think they can be really, really good next season, and that was kind of the message: was that they took a step this year. Now next year, it's just about closing the deal and getting over the
5: hump.
2: There he is, Doctor Derek Peterson. Doctor PDHV is where you find him on Twitter. Derek, before I let you go, what's on the horizon for you as spring practice uh, approaches? Uh, I should say, what, what writing-wise, what's on the horizon for you?
3: Yeah, well, I'm doing a. Some thoughts on, on Pro Day for, for Um kind of writing that up uh, as we speak. So that'll be on um, either later tonight, or early tomorrow morning, and then just some other kind of pre-spring stuff. Uh, spring practice gets started a week from today. So that time. Well, thanks for the time, Derek. Appreciate it.
1: Yep. And now,
2: and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back in it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's a Tuesday edition, a Pro Day Tuesday. Big thanks to Derek Peterson for joining us, uh, discussing the Husker Pro Day that went down this morning. Looking forward now to talking to 2020 Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year and one of the biggest Creighton fans I know. It's Jeff Moatsy here. I'm calling high school basketball games here on ESPN Lincoln and also over on our sister state. 1240 KFOR. Jeff, how you doing today? You gotta to be in a good mood with the uh, the Creighton Blue Jays advancing to the round of 16.
5: Well, it's uh, there's no doubt it's been upbeat. <laughs> it's nice to see that the sun actually did come out here in Lincoln for a little bit this afternoon. After boy, it's just been really dreary the last couple of days. But you know, last night that was that was a special moment, and uh, that that just shows you how far it's taken. A team like Creighton to uh, get to where they wanted to get to for a number of years, and now they're in the final round of 16.
2: Yeah, and they've they've gotten themselves a, tr- a tough draw in the round of 16. It's Gonzaga. But before we get to the Zags, uh, I want to talk about just their first two games, as they really had a close one with UC Santa Barbara on Saturday, and then uh, yesterday they got a pretty convincing win over Ohio. What were your takeaways from those uh, from those two games?
5: I thought the game Saturday with. UC Santa Barbara, in particular, I thought that was a that was a dangerous game in many ways because they have been playing so well. Uh, they only had like what four or five losses entering the game, anyway. Um, but uh, they had so much great talent on that team, and they didn't look like your typical Western Coastal, coastal Conference mid-major type of school either. Um, you know, give credit to Santa Barbara for having a great season, and they did did give Creighton a run for their money, and I think a lot of people were not too confident about uh, the Jays making it past that game on Saturday. And and once they came away with a one-point win over the Gauchos, I think it uh, busted a lot of brackets for some folks. But I think there were others that thought, yeah, they'll get past the first round and then they'll either face somebody like a Virginia or maybe Ohio who's been playing well as of late um, and uh, get beat there. Well – I think the UC Santa Barbara game to me was more nerve wracking just simply because these kids really had not been in that position. At least this group of players this year up there uh, had not been in that position. But um, I, I thought they played pretty well. They came back and then they had to hold off a late surge. And, you know, Santa Barbara was a very good shooting team from the perimeter. There's no question. And Chris and Bishop, who. I think has been playing tremendous lately, has done a superb job. I mean, he stepped up. He's not exactly the best free-throw shooter in the world, but he stepped out in a clutch moment, knocked down two big free-throws, probably the two big free-throws he's had in his career and and gave Creighton the win. And then Ohio, when you hear about the pressing kid and and where he could be going at the next level here after this season, um, you, you look at what they did in the first round and, and you're impressed. And Ohio, it looked like on paper, would come out and give uh, Creighton a run for their money, and it looked like that early on last night, but then, you know, the Jays started hitting their shots, and Marcus Sigorowski took over and hit some big shots down the stretch in the first half. Uh, Christian Bishop, again, played really well. Mitch Ballack made some plays, and, and um, Denzel Mahoney did some good things on the floor, hit some big shots down the stretch. And so... Um, I, I think after seeing how Creighton started to put kind of the pedal to the metal uh, midway through the ball game last night, you you got a good sense that they were really going to run away with this thing. But then, you know, Ohio trims it down to what nine points in the final minutes of the, of the ball game. And, you know, Creighton hit the necessary shots that they needed and, and pulled away slowly, but surely late. And, and now they, uh, for the first time ever under the, you know the expanded version of the NCAA tournament uh, make the uh, final round of 16 because back in uh, 1974 they were among the final 16 teams that moved on from the first round which consisted of 25 teams plus there was an elimination uh, round there too so um, you know it's been a while but under the new format it, they finally achieved it and you know I'm watching them play for you know gosh over 20 years now Uh, You know, we're going back to when my my brother played up there. Um, You know, they tried and tried and tried and tried to break down that door and they finally broke down that door last night. Jeff, you mentioned
2: just the the almost, the the curse uh, that it's been Creighton basketball they they were 0-8 in the round of 32 games that they've played in since the round uh, or since the tournament expanded to 64 teams Uh, and then after the tournament was cancelled last year, that was a very good Creighton team a lot of people uh, had them projected uh, going pretty far in the NCAA tournament last year but then the NCAA tournament was cancelled this year had a close call against Santa Barbara in the first round and really had a, a poor showing in the Big East tournament, a lot of people weren't high on Blue Jays, did you feel that, that there was a, a curse against this Blue Jays team for making the Sweet 16?
5: I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to call it a curse or, or what. But, you know, you think, think back, um, I think back to 2005, um, you know, when, when my brother's junior year at, at Creighton, and you know, they, they were riding high off a conference championship uh, victory in the tournament uh, back when they were in the Missouri Valley Conference, and and you know the the Valley back then was just as tough as it is now with the teams they got there. Um, but uh, there was a lot of expectation. You know they fell to West Virginia by two points and had opportunities to get past the first round there. You go back uh, to 2003, first round game against Central Michigan. That was arguably Dana Altman's best team he had at Creighton. They went like twenty. Twenty-three and five, if I remember right, and um, you know they they were so loaded with Kyle Corver and and uh, oh, D'Anthony Bowden and some of those guys that um, went on and go play at the next level. And then my, my brother's freshman year in two thousand two, you know, I can I was there in Chicago at the United Center when they when they had Terrell Taylor hit the game-winning jump shot from the top of the key that beat Florida in the first round, and then they go up against a a rugged Illinois team. That had a guy named Brian Cook that was a pretty solid player and also spent a little bit of time up at the NBA. But, um, you know, there's a lot of those games. You, you think back even before that in the late 90s when they resurged. You, you go back to 1991 uh, when they were really talented. And, and that was the same year that both Nebraska and Creighton made the NCAA tournament. And, and basketball frenzy was all over the place in a football-crazy state back then. Uh, But there have been so many chances, and uh, you know, I don't know if you would would call it a curse or what. But I, I, it was—they finally broke down that door, as I mentioned before. And I suppose you could call it a curse or whatever. But they've always had tough draws. Uh, They've also had games where they've been picked to win, and and uh, they either underachieve or you know they get beat on the last second shot or whatever. But I think. This is just a big stepping stone, and I think now they're in the final round of 16. It's pretty easy to say that there's no question that they're among the best the Big East has got to offer uh, at this point. I mean, they had to work their way up the ladder there because you're going up against old teams like Georgetown and and now UConn's back in the fold. You know, Villanova, who has had NCAA tournament success over the years, and and I think now they you know they've broken down that barrier and, and finally have shown not just people locally, regionally, but it, or in the conference for that matter, but I think across the country, they're a team that is definitely hungry to be successful. And uh, this is just the first step. And what Greg McDermott and his coaching staff and the players decide to do after that, well, that's up to them.
2: Talking with Jeff Moats here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Jeff, now Creighton has gotten over the hump. They're into the round of 16, but now they have to face arguably the the best uh, team in the country in Gonzaga. And when you look at that Gonzaga team, just so loaded, they got Drew Timmy down inside, um, really dominates the paint, and then they just surround him with shooters. They seem like just an impossible team to beat. Um, But again, it's the NCAA tournament. It's called March Madness for a reason. So for the Husker fans like me who are just now kind of hopping on this Creighton bandwagon and watching them because, well, got that Nebraska connection, what am I watching for? Who needs to step up for the Creighton Blue Jays to be able to take down Gonzaga uh, this weekend?
5: You, you mentioned Timmy in the paint. you gotta have guys like Christian Bishop who, you know, who had a reverse two handed dunk against uh um Santa Barbara Saturday, which I'm I'm still raving about. He had a couple other monster dunks against Ohio. But I think Christian Bishop, Denzel Mahoney and Damian Jefferson, those are your bigs really out there on that floor because, you know, Marcus Ziggorowski is your, your guy out front. He's your quarterback, your point guard and and Mitch Ballock is your your, your, your long-range threat from three-point range and can drive and drill, penetrate toward the basket and try to score if he can or dish off. I think um, Bishop and, and Jefferson and Mahoney, and then you bring some guys off the bench, uh, uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner, who's a seven-foot freshman, I think he's really going to step up and help out too on the interior because I think that's going to be the big task is stopping the inside presence, and you mentioned the perimeter game is just as tough. You got to defend the perimeter as best you can. You got to play the passing lanes, and I know Creighton has been uh, doing a very good job of switching on defense and and making sure that if they're in a zone, that they can get to the spots and and make sure they either force a double team or force uh, the other team to throw the ball or you know turnovers, whatever they have to do on defense. to to get control and gain momentum. I think that's what it's going to have to be. They're going to have to play their A game. And Marcus Zagorowski, just hearing his post-game comments afterward, um, following the win last night over Ohio, you could tell there's a little bit of confidence in him. He's just a kid from Connecticut who's got, you know, siblings that are playing college basketball or has a sibling that plays in the NBA and had parents that played. He's a very basketball-minded person. And when you get somebody like him who's got good court sense, and uh, granted, not all the shots he's going to take are going to fall. He's had his share of shooting struggles off and on through the year, but he's been somewhat consistent in many other ways. I mean, he can do other things on the floor. But it's guys like him that got to have the ball. I think Christian Bishop needs to stay out of foul trouble number one. Number two, he just needs to play the paint like he has been the last two games. He's only six seven, maybe six eight. He's playing like he's six foot ten. He needs to play like that on the offensive end. But you've got to block out, you gotta to go to the glass, you gotta you gotta make the right play, make sure the right person has got the ball. And if that right person is Zagorowski or Bishop or Ballack or whoever, whoever's got the hot hand, that's the person that's gotta have the ball and is going to be a task, and I know they're going to start working on them tomorrow and uh, getting prepared for their game on Sunday afternoon, and we'll see what happens. I mean, Creighton's got a chance, but I know a lot of people are leaning toward Gonzaga. I've kind of leaned that direction a little bit, too, just based on the talent, because this is by far the best team that Mark Few has produced, and he was in a national runner-up position not that long ago, but I think this may be win or lose next Sunday, this may be the best team he's ever assembled at Gonzaga. And if Creighton pulls out a big win over them, that that's a big feather in their cap. And now it's on to the Elite 8 and whether or not they get to face the old general of Creighton, which is Dana Allman out at Oregon.
2: There he is, Jeff Moats, joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Jeff, we don't usually talk much Creighton, so this is fun. Appreciate your time today.
5: Hey, no problem, Elijah. Thank you again, and uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully nobody's bracket gets too busted up again like it has here in the last few days i mean that's been a rough go but it's it's nice to see a little bit of new flavor you know you know oil with chicago's back in it and it's nice to see some new blood in there and some of the old blood still in there battling for you know that that national title run yeah they, they call it march madness for a reason don't they yes they do and we're back
1: fellas did we could listen to the radio on hail varsity radio presented
2: by the nebraska lottery yes that's awesome through a Tuesday here on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Still Elijah Herbal and Damon Barr filling in for Chris Schmidt, who will be back tomorrow. Looking forward to having him back in the studio for Hale Varsity. How about Damon and I have been having fun with our – I've had three shows, you've had two. So We had Mark join us for the, uh, the No Drama Saturday morning edition. That was fun. Uh, now here on a Tuesday, a Pro Day Tuesday, it's the Husker uh, Future – uh, recent graduates, future NFL players, uh, I'd say most of them, most likely going to end up on an NFL roster somewhere next year. Uh, they held their Pro Day. Talked with Derek Peterson earlier this hour about his uh, his thoughts, sights, sounds from uh, the Pro Day this morning as he was down at the Hawks Championship Center. If you missed that interview, it's up ESPNLincoln.com or the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page. You can also find the full show. On YouTube, Hail Varsity's page has the full show as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, whatever your favorite streaming service is. Or you can even ask Alexa or Google or whatever you have back at home to play Hail Varsity Radio, and uh, it will go and find the most recent episode or the live uh, show. You can uh, just tell Alexa to play ESPN Lincoln, and she will play Hail Varsity Radio for you from 4 to 6 p.m. daily. Uh, really fast here before. We talk a little bit of Husker baseball. I want to bring up, after watching the NCAA tournament for, I mean, all weekend pretty much. Let's be honest. I was parked on my couch in front of my TV watching NCAA tournament pretty much all weekend. Didn't have much better to do. And as I watched the drama, the excitement, I mean, I said at the end of that interview with Jeff, it's called March Madness for a reason. It is a madness. As you watch it, it's everything that I wish the college football playoff was. There's excitement. There's upsets. Anyone can win any given day. A one seed can lose to a mid-major like Loyola Chicago. I mean, the best teams in the country can look bad on any given day, and that's just how basketball works. But I think that's what you get whenever you have a field of 64. I mean, you have large fields in the end of the tournament year in baseball and volleyball, men's basketball, women's basketball. It's the standard. Is that your mark of making a good season is do you make the NCAA tournament at the end of the year? And honestly, that's how college football has become, too. Is your mark of having a good season is, well, yeah, you won the conference, but did you make the college football playoff? On only four teams can make the college football playoff every single year, which means that your mark for a successful season only four teams can attain. So whenever they have four teams that can attain that every single year, it makes it much more difficult for a school like Nebraska right now, who is... In the doldrums, you had success back in the '90s. I haven't been able to find success for about what ten years now. Even if Nebraska were to go nine and three, which I think most Nebraska fans would consider a success in the broader scheme of college football, that season would not be considered a success. Now, the the New Year's Six bowls don't have the same. Impact on, on how good your season was that they did 10 years ago before the college football playoff. What the college football playoff has done is it's taken all value away from any bowl game that isn't the college football playoff. That's the reason why the same four teams are playing, it feels like, in the college football playoff every single year. It's because they have found success. They know how to make it to a college football playoff. They've done it before. So if you're a good player and one of these schools is coming after you, you go, oh, I don't care about going and winning the Rose Bowl. I care about going and winning a college football semifinal. I care about going and making it to the national championship game. In college basketball, you know you can go to a school like Villanova. You can go to a school like Loyola of Chicago. You can go to a school like Creighton, and you can think, you know what? My class could be the class that could turn this around and take us to the college football playoff. But from the past eight years of the college football playoff has showed us is that, no, Alabama's going to make it in. Clemson's going to make it in. Oklahoma's going to make it in. Ohio State's probably going to make it in. And there's, you already have four. That's your four teams. Notre Dame up there too. But what, what other teams are really pushing for the college football playoff on a year-in-year-out basis? The college football playoff would be great if you had four different teams playing in it every single year, but you don't. Alabama is a dynasty in the, ACC, or in the SEC. Clemson right now is a dynasty in the ACC. Oklahoma is top of the Big 12, and it really isn't that close. And Ohio State's top of the Big Ten, it's really not that close. The only way to fix this is to go like a 16-team playoff, which I personally don't think is feasible. I think you're adding too many tough, tough college football games on on a young person's body. College football is much more physical than college basketball. That's why you can't go do this big tournament where you're playing every single two days. I mean, that's obvious. But four teams isn't the solution either. If you only have four teams, and it's the same four teams getting it every single year... It's not a problem with, oh, there's not enough other good schools in the country to compete with these guys. It's a problem with your system. It's a problem that your system has only incentivized making the college football playoff. That is the barometer for success now. Look at Michigan. Michigan's had some successful seasons the past couple years, but they haven't been able to beat Ohio State, and therefore they haven't been able to make it to a college football playoff. So Michigan is not successful. You can even look at schools down in the, uh, the SEC, Florida, for example, Georgia. Georgia's made the college football playoff, but they still haven't gotten over that hump. They've recruited it great, but they're still not on that same tier as Alabama and Clemson, what have you. And, and for that reason, the four-team playoff is broken because it only incentivizes making the college football playoff, and therefore, the same teams that make it every single year are just going to keep on getting richer in recruiting. Those teams are going to keep on making it unless the college football playoff as a whole is changed. I, I think the first natural baby step is to go a six-team playoff and you give the five power five conferences each an automatic bid. And that gives you a barometer for success to make it to the college football playoff and a barometer for a successful season. You go win the conference, you go make the college football playoff. Congrats, you found success. It doesn't matter what you do in the college football playoff, but if you've won your conference, you're at least going to give yourself and your conference a chance. I mean, look at, at the NCAA tournament this year. Everyone thought the Big Ten was the best conference by far and away. And now eight teams out of the nine that made it are already gone. We found out this year maybe the Big Ten wasn't as good as we thought. What happens whenever you think the SEC is the best conference in the nation? And, oh, the conference champion makes it in, and the team that lost in the conference championship game also makes it. In. You have two SEC teams making it. But then you, you make it to the playoff and you find out, oh, maybe the SEC wasn't as good as we thought they were. You, there, there's no room. There's no wiggle room. If, if the committee makes a mistake selecting a college football playoff team, you have just eliminated all possibilities of anybody else showing how good they are. Everyone talks about UCF. Should UCF have should, have, should they have been in the college football playoff? Probably, but they didn't get a chance to showcase it because the system is broken. Give me the five conference champions. Give me one at-large team. Even give me three at-large teams. Let's, let's make it eight. Anything to get more teams and more opportunities in the college football playoff so teams can have successful seasons. There's my soapbox. The NCAA tournament is fun. Men's basketball, women's basketball, volleyball. It's all fun. The college football playoff is not fun right now. They need to find a way to make it fun, and they need to find a way to make it fun quick because eyes are going away from college football, and they are shifting to the NFL. Because anyone can win on any given Sunday in the NFL. It doesn't feel like that in college football. You know who the four teams in the college football playoff are going to be. I bet you I can guess three of them next year. I bet you I can guess Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State all make it next year. And if it's not Ohio State, it's Oklahoma. That's the problem with college football playoff. Man, I didn't mean to fill a whole segment with that. We'll get into a little bit of Husker baseball here before we get out of here. That's coming up next segment. Uh, again, Hale Varsity Radio. It's Elijah Herbal and Damon Barr filling in for Chris Schmidt today. Chris is going to be back tomorrow. I know y'all miss him dearly. I miss him dearly. Excited to have him back tomorrow again. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We'll wrap up the show after this.
1: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hail the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Satellite partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. You no,
2: know, Damon, I had a thought during the break, and I was up on my soapbox last segment. You know. Just spouting off about the college football playoff. It's not a not an unpopular opinion in any sense. I think everyone kind of gets that the uh, the college football playoff sucks. But I was just thinking, completely completely random end of show thought. I mean, I I haven't run out of things to talk about by any means. It just kind of like we only have a couple minutes left here, so I can't get into anything too deep. But has the the actually, I don't want to say downfall of America, but I mean like with with, with the issues we're seeing, is it because this is, Soap boxes just aren't the same as they were a hundred years ago Like you used to be able to get up like on an actual soapbox And it was like a wooden box you get up on you'd be up above everybody Now if I get in a soapbox, it's like a little cardboard thing like it, it smashes like
0: Well when the whole village can't come listen to the ramblings of Of any one man or woman on a soapbox, how is anything supposed to change? I know like what am I spo- like, supposed to get on Twitter and spout off like Yeah people see it but also
2: most people won't care Maybe maybe we need a social media app called Soapbox. Where no followers, no nothing. It's just you you follow everyone else that's on the app and you can just spout off about anything you want.
0: And you everyone just will see it. Angrily yell your thoughts and <laughs> feelings to everybody. It sounds like a lot of social media we already have Elijah Yeah, but this there's no name attached
2: to the to unsoapbox. You can just spout off a whatever. This sounds actually like a terrible idea. I don't know. Having no no consequences for your words, but <laughs> oh, that that's that was just my my sitting in the break here for three minutes thought. I'm not sure how I got
0: to do, that. Do one. you have a soapbox to get on to whether uh, we should allow to be allowed to go to Husker baseball games this spring at all?
2: Oh, do, you the, do you have a soapbox? The news broke this morning uh, that Purdue is going to be allowing 50 percent uh, capacity at their baseball and softball games. This is from uh, the Tippecanoe County Health Department. I just learned that. The, uh, the University of Purdue is in Tippecanoe County. It's an interesting one. Um, but 50% capacity for their spectators uh, at this point. Nebraska, come on. Come on. I want to go watch baseball games. The last week, I was out umpiring baseball. I even got like a little bit of a sunburn out umpiring baseball. It's the craziest thing ever, having a sunburn in forever. But I just got out and go umpires in baseball, got heckled by some fans. It was normalcy again. I missed being yelled at out on a baseball field. I miss someone not caring to know my name and just, like, blue, that's a terrible call. Like, I miss that deep down within my soul. It was. It's important to get out and get to live sporting events. And I need Husker Baseball. I need to go sit out on a Sunday afternoon at the ballpark and watch Husker Baseball team dominate the other teams in the Big Ten. That's what I need deep within my soul. It'd be good enough if I go to a, a Haymarket Park and the Huskers just win. Even if they lose, I'll be happy. I just get out, need to get out and see some Husker baseball. And I think this from Purdue, it, it, it sets a good precedent. You would think that if they're able to get 50% of fans in here, um, Nebraska, who has been so vocal about wanting to get fans in the stands, uh, you'd think that they would probably be one of the next schools to follow. Not sure if that'll be by this weekend. I'm crossing my fingers. supposed to be pretty weather this weekend. I'm, I'm looking at weather Sunday, 64 degrees. That just sounds like a perfect afternoon at the ballpark. Hopefully Husker uh, fans up to 50% at Haymarket Park shortly. Uh, I, I don't have any inside knowledge from the Athletics Department nor from the uh, the Lancaster County Health Department about when those guidelines uh, will be put in place to allow Husker baseball fans. But if I was a betting man, I'd say it's going to be sooner rather than later, and I'm excited for that. Get down, watch some Husker baseball. It's a good team this year. Got some pop in the bats. Pitching looks good. No complaints. I, sh- I just want to get out and watch them. Damon, it's all the time we got. Appreciate you, brother. Chris Schmidt, back tomorrow. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.